and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I'm doing well. All right. Um, and I am feeling like uh, more and more every day like an Angelino. Okay. Why is that? Well, I've been here more than 10 years. Yeah. Um, and I noticed, and I want to get your opinion on this, and, and of course the listener's opinion. I always want to get the listener's opinion. Um, I love that comment section. It's good for that. Um, I watched a movie we talked about in the movie journal called w- Woman in Gold. Okay. Uh, most of which takes place in 1998. Okay. It takes place, a lot of it, in Los Angeles. A lot of it also takes place in Vienna. I've never been to Vienna, so I didn't have this uh, experience of those parts. But it takes place in 1998. It obviously wasn't shot in 1998. So I kept going, oh, that building wasn't there. That really? Wasn't there <laughs> like, that building's gone up since I moved here, and so is that one. Like, yeah. Um, does that... Uh, I, I want to know, does that take you out of the movie? Um, not necessarily. It can, uh, but I wouldn't say necessarily. It, it also doesn't happen that much. I'm trying to think of like yeah. places that I know well enough that if I right. see a newer structure or something like that. For example, um, let's say something took place in Chicago 10 years ago uh-huh. and they shoot downtown and they shoot at a very specific building, but it does not have a sign on it that says Torco. You know, Wait, what's Torco? Torco. It's it was it was Columbia owned the building. It was called the Torco Building. Oh, right. Do you remember right. what I'm talking yes, about? Yes, yes. And so Torco used to be like this company that owned this building. The company went belly up many many decades ago, uh-huh. but the sign on it was viewed as having like some kind of historical significance. All right. So it said Torco on it, and um. And I and I think Chicago, the the city, took that down in the last however many years. Hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that's the kind of thing. So that's the kind of thing I'd be like, oh, it's, hey, every it's like everybody that lived right there would be calling that the Torco Building, and for no particular reason now. And so that's yeah. I can't think of a lot of other examples though. Okay, um, just wanted to get your opinion. Now, there is also a part in Women in Gold. See, I, I think I actually, it doesn't take, like, I guess it takes me out a little bit, but I also find it kind of charming because I know, like, oh, this is, like, they didn't have a huge budget to, like, yeah. God bless know, them, they're to, like, trying. CGI this stuff out. Case in point, there's also one part. Now, this isn't, like, blatant. You have to be looking where you're, yeah. like, not supposed, like, where yeah. the focus isn't supposed to be. You have to be looking. You see, but, like, people in the background with hoverboards and stuff. <laughs> no, you do see a billboard for Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that's only if your focus is, you know, half a screen away from where it's supposed to be at that point. Um, so what should they but, have, what should they have uh, put in, in that billboard instead? Just, like, like the Roland Godzilla. Godzilla? Yeah. Absolutely. Armageddon. Yeah. 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 How hard is that? Come on, guys. Well, they didn't have all the money. Who made Woman in Gold? Uh, I did. Oh, um, boy. Oh, okay. I uh, know. A guy named uh, Simon Curtis, I think, is the director's name. Simon Curtis. Huh. He's done something else. Yeah, the name sounds familiar. Um, okay, that's... Uh, yeah, I'm trying to... I, I genuinely am trying to think if there would be other examples. And it would it would literally just have to be like my neighborhood or something right. like that. Yeah. Um, at this point, I'm taken out of things more by when they shoot... When it's supposed to be in the Midwest, but it's on my street corner here. Like, <laughs> you know, like I see country folks in any number of uh, episodes right. of The Office and uh, Weeds and stuff like that. Um, 
Okay. Um, Simon Curtis did My Week with Marilyn a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. That's right. I saw that. That wasn't um, terrible. Um, now, let's pay some bills. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, so, all right. Listeners, here we go. This episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $4.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Once again, I have not written this down. Uh, I just now remembered. So for the month of December... Whatever the movie of the day is, so the day that a new movie comes out, you can watch that movie for free that day. So you can go back, you can go to movie every day, and you can see a movie for free. Now, if the movie is two days old, you're out of luck. But I've got good news for you. There's one right there that you can watch. Yeah. So, uh, so just to get a, sem- uh, a sense of, of what movie is and the kind of movies that they put out there. So you can do that. Uh, among the great films to watch on Mubi is Buster Keaton's Steamboat Bill Jr., which I know is a, f- a favorite of yours. Maybe your favorite uh, uh, Keaton film from what I, you saw. I, I've said that. Uh, I've said that before. It changes. Okay. Because sometimes it's Sherlock Jr. Yeah. And sometimes it's Steamboat Bill Jr. Yeah. But the uh, I guess one thing the, you know is you hate the general. I don't hate the general. I like okay. the general quite a bit. Um, but. Yeah, when it definitely gets to the climax of Steamboat Bill Jr. and he's swinging around uh, from the ship, like that's yeah. exciting st- stuff that I really enjoy. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to deny, and that is, uh, yeah, it's it's hard for me to figure to determine like what the best Buster. I I personally think the general is the best, and then then probably it's a tie for a second between Steamboat Bill Jr. and Sherlock Jr. So, um, but yeah, so Steamboat Bill Jr. is a, and and it does feature uh, a lot of the classic Buster Keaton gags that you have seen um just sort of by themselves. Uh you you if you watch Steamboat Bill Jr. you think, oh, that's where that's from. So that is available at movie dot uh, movie.com. And there is also a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try movie free for a month. Just go to movie.com, that's M-U-B-I dot com slash battleship to redeem now. So there's that. Okay. Now you had something uh, eaten at you. I did. It's not. It's. I wouldn't so go so far as say it's eating at me, but it's more just. So recently, um, the uh, the Screen Actors Guild Award nominations came out, um, and the Golden Globe nominations came out, and in both cases, uh, there is a strong showing for the movie Trumbo uh-huh. about Dalton Trumbo. Um, now, when I first saw the trailer for that movie, I thought, oh, good. I don't need to see this because um, it looks like uh, it looks like it has a really good cast. But ultimately, it looks like it just makes this character look too pure for this world and all that kind of thing. It just it looks like it will make him look as great as possible. And anybody who could ever possibly oppose him, uh, just some kind of stuffed shirt or something like that. And I just like, I don't have the energy for this. And it looked like it was really overwritten. And uh, I love Brian Cranston, but it looked like he might be playing it up a little bit. <clears throat> Even though I have I have heard that Dalton Trumbo was also just something of a character. So, you know, maybe he's not playing it up too much. But um, but anyway, so it's a movie that I didn't care about. And it wasn't on my radar really at all. 
Um, but then, you know, these nominations come out and suddenly Trumbo is this contender. Now, maybe it's not going to win anything, but again, at the Screen Actors Guild, like it got, it wasn't just best actor. I think it was also best cast. Um, really? and, I, and it might've been supporting actress for Helen Mirren. I might be wrong about that, but, um, and then at, at the Golden Globes as well. So, and this happens and, 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 and our, uh, movie journal, I was talking about it with the big short. That was another movie that looked, that looked more interesting to me than Trumbo, but it's, it didn't look essential. And then these awards things come out and I know that awards don't necessarily make something essential, but it's always nice to be in the loop. Uh, so that if the Oscars come along and Brian Cranston does get a nomination or something like that, suddenly this movie that I thought was not important at all is part of this conversation of at the very least best lead actor. And now, Hey, Oh, Brian, Brian Cranston from breaking bad and Malcolm in the middle. He now has his first Academy award nomination for this movie Trumbo that I didn't care about at all. You think he will get a nomination? Yeah. Maybe. You think it's starting to look like that? Uh, SAG is usually a pretty good predictor of that kind of thing, okay. but not, not always, but it's, you know, uh, it's also a movie with a, a pretty big ensemble cast and those movies do tend to do pretty well. Um, and he's a guy that is well liked. It's an opportunity to, uh, reward a, a television actor as he makes, the transition to the big screen. He's been in plenty of movies before, but now like he's a straight on lead. Yeah. Um, and it's a movie about Hollywood and they love that. Right. So, so it's just, it's so interesting to me that, um, and sometimes frustrating, but not necessarily that, you know, these nominations will come out and good things can, it, it can be a good thing and a bad thing because suddenly a movie that I didn't care much about, but I should, Suddenly it's like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess I should see that. Um, and then you see it and, and, and you think, oh, wow, this was, I'm so happy I saw this. Thank God for the Oscars or something like right. that. Um, but then in other cases, it's a movie that is a B at best and a C plus at worst and, uh-huh. and is the essence of forgettable and was never really meant to be anything more than like a, a, an HBO original movie or something like that that gets elevated right. by star power perhaps. Like, and uh, Hitchcock. Le- yes. Yes. Like Trumbo Hitchcock. might be this year's Hitchcock. Yeah. Except Trumbo's already getting more recognition uh, than Hitchcock. And so, but as did I, I saw it on a plane and it has its moments. Helen Mirren is the best part of it. I think she's really good. Uh, That's uh, another thing they have in common. I'm sure I haven't seen Trumbo yet. Yeah, it's, yeah, she's, yeah, she shows up in these things and I'm sure, and she classes up the joint. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and so, and Trumbo might be a really good movie, but just literally nothing about it seemed, nothing about it screamed essential. And now I believe when, when the SAG nominations came out, I believe I tweeted, damn it. SAG Awards, are you going to make me watch Trumbo? <laughs> you know, and I feel bad having that attitude. It's not a good attitude for yeah. me to have. But I think it also comes at a time when, like, there's just so many damn things to see that I was feeling secure in the knowledge that, well, I don't have to see Trumbo. So that's one right. less thing I need. Oh, shit. Now I do. Well, Same with the big short. I hope it makes you see the big short because that movie is uh, legitimately yeah. great. See, and so. that's and that's an example of like a good thing comes from it. The big short gets a lot of recognition at the Golden Globes and and at the SAG Awards. And so, yeah, I guess 
I guess I should give it another look. And other people are giving it another look where previously they just maybe didn't care that much. It wasn't being talked about really at all. And now it is. And so, and if it deserves to be, then, hey, good for these awards. But it does mean I probably should see Trumbo. Damn it. (laughs) Well, um, I'm depressed now. Uh, you know what'll cheer you up? What's that? Tweakedaudio.com earbuds. You're right. They're I'm already. Fantastic. I'm. Re- I'm already up. They're great. They sound great. They'll. 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 They'll lift your spirits. They'll brighten your day, uh, especially with the bright, uh, stylish colors they come in. And you can find them all at tweakedaudio.com. Uh, and they are already available at a low, low price to begin with. But if you at checkout enter the offer code pretension, you'll get one third off. And no shipping charges. That's tweakedaudio.com. Offer code pretension. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. Now, this was inspired by what? Well, a listener had mentioned this uh, in response to... That's your your discussion of uh, in the heart of the sea, but I think this is also this was also something we had talked about talking uh, doing an episode about sometime in the past and never got but, to it. But on the most not not the most recent, but the second most recent movie right. journal episode, right. I talked about Ron Howard's in the heart of the sea and argued that it could exist fine without its framing device, right? Um, and so we are going to talk about framing devices. Yes, um, and. The first thing to the first thing to really talk about is what counts as a framing device. Sh- followed in for me shortly after with are they ever necessary? Um, now I, the so the answer to the second the answer to the second one is is yes. Yeah, because I um, but I think it's pretty rare. In talking about just giving that talk about in the heart of the sea, I kind of wish I had written down more bad ones i mostly wrote i i mostly wrote down my favorite ones um but here's one i'll bring up that um i don't i don't know if it's bad in fact i think by the end it's worth it okay but when you think back to the movie titanic yeah do you ever think of the bill pullman um no old lady not bill paxton old lady uh uh stuff at all no not at all like i've seen the movie uh a bunch of times and I always am like, Oh right. We have to like deal with this stuff first. Yeah. But I think the end with uh, the, um, the, the diamond, mm-hmm. um, I guess is a payoff to that, but I don't know that it's, I mean, I, mean, it, I think it's a good payoff, but I don't know if it makes it all worth it. I think if Titanic were just entirely a period movie, I don't think we'd be missing all that much. No, not at all. Oh, well, except, I mean, there is, just the um uh structure storytelling device where we we learn 
how the ship is going to sink and then break and then sink again, and that adds some tension because yeah, we, because we learn we know how the ship's going to behave. Yeah, so we we have things. Um, it's like the bomb under the table. It's a yeah, there's thing. there's this attitude of like these poor bastards don't even know what's coming. Yeah, but I do. Yeah, and so that that's that's kind of worthwhile. But still, yeah. in terms of my memory. I never think of that part of the movie when I think about that movie. Yeah. And it's so much so that I thought Bill Pullman was in it. <laughs> well, and it's, yeah. And, and that, that I think is maybe one of the best examples of an unnecessary framing device. And, and, but it's in a good movie. There's probably plenty of sure unnecessary sure. framing devices in shitty movies. I'm just not thinking of them right now. Yeah. Sucker punch. Uh, <laughs> I wrote that down. Um, which has, and so actually before we do this, let's, let's go back a little bit and let's actually define what a framing device is because as I was going through making my list, I needed to be careful. A framing device is not the same as purely narration. There does need to be sort of a sub story that is definitely minimal screen time, but it does help frame the story and often and this is why I think they can be so damn clunky frames the theme, you know? Right. Uh, and that's what you're talking about with in the heart of the sea is, yeah. you know, the character is like thinking back and it's like, Oh, would my wife forgive me or whatever the hell? And then, wait, I think I said that off mic or did I say that? No, on you mic? said that on mic. Oh, okay. Um, and just, uh, you know, so that, that can be the problem with a framing device is it's one thing that's framing story, but it's another, if it, if it underlines the theme just to make sure we got it. Okay. Okay. Um, again, going back to, I only wrote down good ones. Okay. There's a movie that I absolutely love from just a few years ago that I think does have a framing device that very much is about underlining the theme, but I think it's absolutely essential and that's life of pie. Yeah. Okay. I don't think, uh, I mean, there's no way, even though that's exactly what the framing device does, there's no way that movie is what it is without a framing device. That's true. But do you find, and there's a lot I like, I, I like about the framing device. Specifically, and I always forget the actor's name. Rafe Ball? Yeah, no. No. Yeah, <laughs> good God, no. Um, well, I didn't think you'd forget Irfan Khan's name. Uh, his was the name I forgot. Um, Everyone knows his name. He's fantastic. Yeah, I love him in that, and yeah. and that's what saves it. But at the same time, like, I feel like that particular uh, framing device, while necessary, is also super clunky. Maybe while it's going, it is, but in the end, it's so necessary. Yeah, it's it's absolutely essential. Uh, in the end, it 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 really does frame the whole movie in in the sense that it it gives you a dimension from which to view the the main story yeah and and to um consider ideas of this as a story that's being told as opposed to a 100% accurate account yeah um although i do like i have i have never really gotten into a spoilery discussion of life of pi but i have because there is a sort of spoiler aspect to the end of the framing device yeah um uh, but i i uh, i feel i have very strong feelings about uh, uh i feel like the movie gives you the main story and then it gives you an alternate story and it yeah. gives you the opportunity to choose which one you believe yeah 
Um, and I, against all reason, I consider myself a very rational, skeptical mm-hmm. uh, person. I believe the fantastical story more than the more realistic one. Well, it's it's the one we've seen. You know, like you you just had a whole movie right, showing but I just you mean, within the themes of the sure uh, of the movie. I think that that one is is more likely true, even though it can't possibly be in the real world. Oh yeah, well, I don't think it's more likely true, but uh, yeah, I it's more likely true within within this movie. I sure, absolutely. That you know what? In that case, I would and, I would agree because the idea about storytelling is that to me. The whole point of that second story and the being the more grim and realistic mm-hmm. story, um, the whole point of that being in there is that um, people are more willing, certain people are more willing to believe that story because there's they because they lack imagination and they lack yeah. some of the childish childlike i should say qualities yeah uh, of that that pi possessed on his journey because people lose that yeah um that's why they're more uh willing to accept the much darker uh version of the story yeah um so that's why i choose to believe the more wondrous and fantastical version of the story and you know there i've been working on a uh on a more than one lesson episode about big fish with the companion sorry Life of Pi with the companion film Big Fish, yeah, um, for a lo- which is also on my list here um, oh, for a long time because it does that idea of which story do you choose to believe, and then if you're choosing to believe something solely because it brings you comfort, but if but that belief is not organic and it's not real, then is it a good thing or is it a fake it till you make it kind of thing? Like, which in the, in the, in the Christian world is very much a question that needs to be, that is asked a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one that I myself sometimes have a, a issue with from time to time, but, but yeah, anyway, sorry, this is not a discussion only about life of pie. Um, so one thing that I wanted to ask is the, so the role of the framing device is, is yes, to, is to quite literally frame the story and mm-hmm. frame the theme and provide context. But how big of a – how active can the framing device be as far as plot development before it just becomes a continuation of the story? Well, there are movies that I have written down here in which you're thinking of watching a framing device, but then the movie catches up to it when there's still right. a lot left. Like right. Forrest Gump is one. Sure. Um, which I actually, I go, I've gone back and forth my whole life about how much, to what extent I like Forrest Gump. Like, I feel like it's too easy to just dismiss Forrest Gump, even though yeah. there's so much about it that is, uh, risible and mockable and dismissible, dismissal. Yeah. Um, but there are still like, this is why I have, I struggle with Robert Zemeckis so much yeah. because there's stuff in almost all his movies that I love and stuff that I hate. Um, yeah. but one of the things I really like about the Forrest Gump structure is the way that the, it catches up to the frame device and, there, and there's still, what's this? like 45 minutes of movie after that. I, I is it 45 like. minutes? Maybe not that much, but it does. Movie. Yeah. From then on, it's just like, okay, we're caught up and now it's the rest of Forrest's life. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, um, and I, I like that structure. Another one that. I mean, I feel most most movies that have framing devices end with the framing device. Mm-hmm. So, to to some extent, what I'm saying is every movie with the framing device eventually catches up to it and it continues the story in the framing device. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I guess it depends on how long. 
I mean, I guess you can, if I'm right that it is, you know, 30, 40 minutes, could you consider the last 30, 40 minutes of Forrest Gump just the last chapter of the framing device? <laughs> um, like, where do you yeah. draw the line? Because yeah, another one tough. that came up, um, uh, another movie that I really like that I think, uh, well, another divisive movie that I happen to really like mm-hmm. is Vanilla Sky. Oh, okay. And that's yeah. one that also um, has, uh, not to the extent of Forrest Gump, but it does have a good chunk of story and a very important chunk of story after it catches up to its framing device, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it, you know, it, what happens is it reframing the framing device itself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's a thing that when, to me, when a, when a framing device is at its most effective is when, Yes, it does all these things we're talking about. It provides context and all that, but it also layers on complexity. I think a lot of framing devices are there to add some simplicity, to remove complexity. But I think the good ones, the ones that I really like, are the ones that layer it on more, either from a plot standpoint, a character standpoint. Um, Okay, so we're going to get there eventually, so I'll just say it now, usual suspects. Yeah, that's on my list Um, too. And that's one, I haven't seen it in so long that I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, it's tough because, I mean, I know some people who view the the twist, um, and the twist is a, the twist exists in the framing device. Yeah. Um, And the twist is that, the framing device is really all there is. Everything else is pure fiction. You didn't think it was, but it is. Um, And so I know a lot of people have a, have a major problem with that because there's this attitude like, well, what, why am I even watching this? And just like, "Ah, cause it's still a fun journey to go on, you know? Um, And that's one where, I mean, it comes back to the framing device a lot and what el- what is also particularly interesting is that uh, not unlike Titanic, um, there's the person telling the story, and they're you know they are literally framing the story for us and for the person that yeah. they're talking to, um, and there there tends to be uh, a lot of love for the actor telling the story, Kevin Spacey won an Oscar. Now he still has a role to play in the usual suspects in the, in the story he's telling, but he's there primarily as the storyteller. Mm-hmm. Like his emotions come through primarily when he's dealing with Chaz Palminteri. Yeah. Um, and then but gl- even those emotions are yeah. suspect because you realize yeah. maybe he was just putting on a show. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's what you can, that's what a framing device can be is, Oh, you think it's this? Oh, I'm sorry. And I guess that could also bring in, to a certain extent, Rashomon, um, which... Oh, right, yeah. It's tough to... I mean, I guess it is a framing device, but it also is just... I feel like it's so much more. I feel like it's almost reductive to refer to that as a framing device. Um, well, but I guess it say, does count. Would you say the same about Citizen Kane? Because that's actually, that's kind of a... a it's it's kind of similar approach. Uh, yeah, I, I do have Citizen in Kane that, written down here. In, in that it's one framing device, but it's framing multiple stories yeah. uh, at different times. Yeah. Um, and it's... And yeah, I mean, when you think about it, uh, it's there. there's so much ornate because there is this guy who's going from place to place and he's going to, you know, Xanadu and it's this beautiful, wonderful, over-the-top world that he's entered into but then he'll also go to a a retirement home or a nightclub or something like that so his journey even though 
you know, uh, character's name is Thompson. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, he's not a real character. He is us. Um, and so he is providing us with a framing device through the people he's interviewing. So I think it, I think it definitely does count. But again, like, I think that's one of the more effective ones, partially because that adds a narrative complexity, um, in that, not because there's any big twists or anything like that, but just because you're trying to figure out who this guy is and because he's not around, it's going to be like, like Rashomon. And it's also, it's also told in somewhat chronological order where you see people at different points, um, talking about him. But yeah, it's, uh, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of, uh, of other examples where it's not merely somebody just sitting down and telling a story. And even that can be great. Don't get me wrong. Like double indemnity. Um, right. Yeah. Which, you know, there's still, it's only a couple of minutes, but there's still story to happen after he sits down and, and records those things for, for, uh, Edward G. Robinson. Yeah. And it's still a wonderful exchange at the end. And not, and, uh, I'm also reminded of the Lavender Hill mob. Did you ever see the Lavender Hill mob? Oh, I think you would enjoy it. It's quite delightful. But in both cases, it's somebody just telling their story and then, in the last moments it, it recontextualizes everything and you realize, Oh, I'm now seeing the end of the story. I don't think I realized that. Um, so I'm, so I have a bunch of other, uh, examples, but, uh, Uh, but I've been talking for a while. No, I think you should, I only have two more examples. One of them is a movie that we just mentioned in the pre, uh, role thing, which is Sherlock Jr. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, mostly, (laughs) yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, you know, yeah. I didn't even write that down. Like it didn't even occur to me because the whole thing feels so experimental that it's hard to view it as a framing device, but it is quite literally a <laughs> yeah. framing device. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a good point. I didn't even think of that. Um, but I didn't write down nearly enough. I mean, on the one hand, I'm glad this is going to be a short episode, but, um, I only have like one main one left and it's in my opinion, the greatest framing it's device of all time. Obviously. Yes. <laughs> Which you is think it's the same thing? Yeah, it's obviously atonement. <laughs> no question about it, right? Uh, no, it's not. Uh, but did, talk about some of this before we get to the greatest. Before we get to the time. okay, yeah, uh, because I do think that there is an argument to be made. Okay, for the greatest, we're talking about the same one, and we won't say what it is yet, even though listeners know, okay. and it's probably bothering them that we're not going to say it. Yeah, well, maybe, like, n- maybe never, that. maybe never. Wait, let's not even talk about no, it. No, we do have to talk. About yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think that actually has competition, but, um, but yeah, uh, shattered glass has a framing device that I think works really well. And now that I think about it, so does social network. Um, yeah, social network is a good one. And this idea of, but what, what I find interesting about shattered glass is that there's so many elements to the framing device to the point you never quite know exactly what it is. You have him, standing in front of in front of a classroom telling kids about what it is to be a reporter. You have him in a room with a bunch of lawyers, you know, giving a deposition. Right. You have his narration. You have any any number of things uh which speaks to who Stephen Glass is as a storyteller that he will try to play himself up, play up the events and that sort of thing. Um and it sort of speaks to the idea of the unreliable narrator um, 
because Stephen Glass is certainly an unreliable narrator. Yeah. Not quite the same as Verbal Kent, but not far off. Um, yeah. And that's one where I was, I've, I've read reviews of Shatterglass that say they don't, that they think that framing device is completely unnecessary. And, and I disagree completely. It's, it's unnecessary as far, yes, you could just tell the story. That's fine. But if you're really trying to get to the essence of Stephen Glass without someone just coming and saying, this is why I did what I did. Um, if you're trying to capture how he sees himself and what he desperately wants to be, the framing device is re- very effective in that. And especially um, the very last moment when he's in the midst of a deposition and then his, his mind goes off on another flight of fancy and just these – and you see him walking around in slow motion looking around as a, as a reporter just taking all this information as uh, as uh, his narration comes in. It's this very soaring uh-huh. rhetoric and stuff like that. And then you hear Peter Sarsgaard say, Steve – and then he he like gets shaken out of it and just looks very sad and angry. And then it's smash cut to black. And, mm-hmm. it's, and it's basically saying like, okay, we're done listening to what you have to say. Yeah. We're, we're done with this. We've been listening to your story. It's great. I love it so much. Um, speaking of framing devices that have a somewhat last minute uh, development, how do you feel about the framing device in Hoffa? Because I, I, I appreciate it's, it's gumption. I feel like even as a high schooler, when I was still pretty stupid about movies, okay. I knew, I mean, com- compared to who I am now, compared sure. to most high schoolers, I was pretty smart. I imagine any high schoolers who listen to the show probably know a lot about movies compared to their peers. But they just, get it. You also need to know you don't know as much as you know right now. Yeah. Um, Ten years <laughs> from now, we will be very embarrassed of the things we've said on the show right now. Yeah, hopefully. I honestly, I hope that I continue yeah. to grow and feel that way. Um, but like, even as a high schooler, I was like, these transitions are laying out. They're a little, little much into and out of the framing device and Hoffa. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it's like the, it's like the Lawrence of Arabia, like match to yeah. sun, except way more on the nose and every time. And constant. Every time they cut back. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, that part that there's just, I feel like we, at some point, I think it'd be interesting to talk about, to do a profile of Danny DeVito as a director. Yeah. Like as an actor, you can talk about any number of things, but as a director, he has such an odd instinct. Well, I've never seen the war of the roses. Is that him? Uh, I have also not seen it. That, I believe that is him. That's like his big one, right? That's what everyone's li- everyone likes. Right? Uh, yeah, I think that's probably his, his big one. He's done, he's done a number of others, including, I believe he did death to smoochie. Yeah, right? that's him. Um, and he did, and he did Hoffa. Um, yeah. and there is a, there's definitely a, uh, a heightened, which is ironic. Uh, <laughs> Uh, cause I met Danny DeVito once and he was like the soup. He was like the nicest guy in the world. I complimented on complimented him on his performance in the big kahuna. Cause that's, it's maybe my favorite performance of uh-huh. his, but also it's like when nobody's talking to him about big kahuna, but, um, but here's what I'll yeah, say. And this, so, that's such an impulse that I have too, that I feel yeah. is always so maybe kind of embarrassing to like, if you may meet a celebrity, like yeah. I have a John Malkovich, I wanted to talk to him about the dancer upstairs, the dancer upstairs. Yeah. And also Shadow of the Vampire, but mostly I was just, I just wanted him to know that I'd seen The Dancer Upstairs. I think I might be the only person I know who's seen it. Well, see. Oh, I guess me and my buddy John Malkovich. <laughs> and even he couldn't really sit through it. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it actually, it has less to do with, if, 
if somebody's if my favorite performance of somebody is in fact their biggest performance, so be it. But right. for me, like I love Danny DeVito as the penguin, don't get me wrong, and I love him in other people's money. But for me, the big kahuna is where I really see a different side of him. And so that is what I will say. Um, and so, uh, but what, I, what, uh, what I've been saying for a long time is imagine how short you think Danny DeVito is. He's shorter than that. <laughs> I don't care what your answer is. He's shorter than that. It's weird. I felt like I wanted to protect him from the world. Um, but he was also the super, like the nicest guy in the world. Anyway, um, what were we talking about? We were talking about oh, Hoffa. Hoffa. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely uh, as far as the transitions from the device into the story. Yes. It's a bit over the top, but then the ending of the framing device is like one of the ballsiest things a person could ever do, which yeah. is they show that the framing device is, Oh, we're about to see, we're seeing the moments before Jimmy Hoffa disappears and we're seeing what apparently happened to him. Yeah. Um, as theorized by David Mamet and, uh, and Danny DeVito. And I, I've always, I, yeah, I didn't think about that, but that's a, it's both a good and, and bad example. It's an, it's an example of just how many risks you can take with a framing mm-hmm. device and also just how overly clever you can be with a framing device. Um, I want to, I feel like when we did our discussion last week about long takes, we we took a good uh, approach, which was to categorize them. Sure. And I don't, and I feel like we've kind of been doing that here. But what what do we have so far? We have the ones that the bad ones that are just there to simplify. Yeah. Um, we have the ones that are meant to be. Um, we have to, ones that that layer on complexity, yeah, or or yeah, or inject more uncertainty into sure, things. Sure, sure. Um, we have the ones that frame the theme, yeah. Um, and then I also wanted we talked about Citizen Kane, and you briefly mentioned Social Network, um, but both of them are really in ways that could be clunky but aren't are really just like story engines. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's what makes it's what turned. It's what takes the movie from vignettes into a plot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and that's probably something that could be done very poorly. I wish I could think of examples right now. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe Hoffa's one. Um, where I guess we're on the fence about how we feel about Hoffa. Uh, what, what else? Are, are there any more you can think of? Well, uh, one thing that I wanted to mention is, so, like, with Shattered Glass and with um, Social Network and even Rashomon where you have like a, a, a like a lawman or something like yeah. that trying to get to the bottom of something. There is something about a trial or lawyers or yeah. cops getting to the bottom of a case. Yeah. Um, that it just, al- it, it allows, Oh, uh, usual suspects is that as well. Yeah. Like it, it, it really provides a good well, framing device. Speaking of um, combining that with uh, things that, with their framing device catches up or maybe catches up to the framing device. Uh, true detective. Um, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Season one, uh, does that. Um, and now I forgot the other one I was going to talk about, but that, but that brings up, Oh, Oh, okay. Go ahead. Um, and then we'll get back to true detective. Apparently, I don't know if this was ever filmed or if it was just in the screenplay, but, um, American beauty apparently had a whole thing where like Wes Bentley and, Thora Birch were being deposed about um, the, yes, the murder or that's something. Right. I don't know if they filmed that. 
But yeah, uh, I, I I remember that being that was like in the original script. Maybe they filmed it. Maybe they didn't. I don't recall. But um, yeah. So you know, I'm not a huge fan of American Beauty anymore. Right. But one thing that I will say is it has a very consistent tone. Right. Um, yeah. I can't imagine that being consistent with the tone. Yeah. <laughs> like, how can you know? There's only so much that uh, Conrad Hall can do to make a, <laughs> a deposition uh, interesting. But um, but yeah. Uh, but back to True Detective, you have something you wanted to say? Yeah. Well, okay, and that that brings up, and I think I, I I mentioned it before, but True Detective is a really good example, which is. When, at one at what point does the framing device become so prominent that you realize, oh no, this was the real story and everything else was a flashback? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, and well, I think one of the clues to that is, and that's if, a TV show, so it can be different episode to episode, but yeah, still, yeah. Um, one of the things about um, True Detective, I'm sure there are other movies that have done that. If the person in the framing device part mm-hmm. it seems different. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Then the version of themselves yeah. um, that we're seeing in the main, quote-unquote, main story, yeah. that's a clue that this is more than just a framing device. There's something yeah. that we're going to be learning. Yeah. Then it's just – then it's – it. you can't even really think in terms of flashback or framing device. Then it's just nonlinear storytelling. Right, yeah. Which is a whole other episode. But, um, but yeah, so, uh, so thinking in those terms, would you say that – True Detective is a framing device. It certainly it is, starts that way. Yeah, because I think it is while it is, and then it isn't. But yeah. it still is while it is. Yeah, which is, oh boy, can really, uh, can, can we get a framing device in here to add some, <laughs> make that a little bit simple? Um, but yeah, uh, there was a movie that I saw recently that I had to review for the site called uh, Breaker Morant. Okay. And yeah. that's one where it could be, an, an argument could be made that which is the, like, is it a story about a court case and we're seeing flashbacks or are we seeing the story and the court case is the framing device. Um, mm. and I'm trying to think if that's more or less frustrating when they are kind of on equal, uh, on equal ground. Yeah. I guess that's a case by case basis. I, I, yeah. I think I tend to like that kind of, um, yeah back and forth storytelling. We talked about it a lot in the last or two movie journals ago. Um, cause I just happened to have seen a bunch of movies that had that like right. parallel storytelling. Right. Um, I like it when it's done well. Uh, but yeah, I don't know that I, I guess I don't think of it as a framing device. Uh, that, yeah. I guess that's what I was saying with Forrest Gump is like, at what point it does the percentage of runtime, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, tend more toward a split story than a framing device. Yeah. Which actually, you know, brings me back to like sucker punch. Um, which is, have you, did you, did you saw Sucker Punch, right? Yeah. yeah. Like that one, there's such this weird swirling idea, uh, swirling. There's a lot I respect about Sucker Punch. Um, a lot I don't, but, uh, and by and large, I'd say I don't like the movie, Yeah. but, um, but the idea of just the, the blending of reality and fantasy, uh, past and present is something that I really like about the movie. Um, and, so yeah, so uh, it's it's hard to say if it if it even has a framing device. So much is is reality the framing device for the fantasy? Who's to say? Um, I don't know, but it's that's that's one that I never thought I would speak overtly favorably about mm-hmm. Sucker Punch. But 
there's some complexity there that makes it hard to categorize one way or another from a storytelling standpoint. Yeah, I mean, but maybe I'm overstating. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you say complexity. I maybe it's just a mess. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> There's a fine line between complex and complicated. Um, so uh, let's see. Okay, so I talked about. Uh, yeah, I've I've touched on most of these. I do want to talk about. You know, uh, similar to Life of Pi, I would say I mentioned it before. I would say Atonement is another one where now I don't like Atonement that much, but that's. That one, that's one like. I'm shaking my head with disdain, not at you, but at the film Atonement, which oh, okay. I also don't like. But it's not. Two, week, two weeks in a row it's come up. Yeah, I know. What is wrong with us? Apparently it's uh, part of the uh, cultural lexicon. This Is it? The snooze of a movie. Atonement. You know what that guy directed? Pan. I saw Pan, but anyway, I can't stop talking about it. He's made good movies too, though, right? He's made wonderful movies. He made Anna Karenina, which I love. He uh, made, which I didn't love. He made, he made um, Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Pre- I like the Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. I didn't see the, uh, is it called Hannah? Hannah, I yeah. didn't see that one. I saw that. It's not bad. A bit cold, but it's pretty good. Okay. Um, and that uh, it's got that Saoirse Ronan in it. I like her. Um, and uh, who could possibly win best actress this year she certainly seems surprisingly favored to do so yeah i still haven't seen brooklyn yeah i'm i'm excited but uh so okay let me let me go back to what i was uh something about atonement oh yeah so like um like life of pi that's one where the person telling the story played by vanessa redgrave is is telling you a story like right not telling you how things happen but is telling you how she wished things uh had happened and right. how she feel like she feels like this is the story that people deserved to happen. Yeah. You know, I'm and getting, I'm getting mad at this movie again. Why? <laughs> Cause I don't like it. Do you mean that particular part of it? Because what is the difference between that and life of pie aside from the stories being told? Yeah. I guess the, that I'm invested in the story in life of pie. And yeah. by the time, I guess it's just like when we talked about the, the long take in atonement, it feels like a, um, artificial yeah and it feels like it's calling attention to itself yeah. i guess that's how i feel about the the i guess twist or whatever of atonement yeah. is that it um and maybe on paper in in theory yeah it it works but by that point i'm already annoyed with the movie having uh mostly bored me for so long yeah. that i'm like oh this now this is what you're this is what I'm supposed to walk out of here with? Like, <laughs> oh, you got me. I don't think that's, I don't think that was the point. But still. I guess I felt that the movie was antagonistic because I wasn't enjoying it. Fair enough. I it's guess, just, yeah. I always at some feel point, like, Van- isn't there a part in the film where Vanessa Redgrave looks right in the camera and says, fuck you? Yeah. I yeah. think so, right? I think I, sometimes I do feel like movies that are bad are being antagonistic on purpose. Well, that's an episode uh, that I'd like to I'd like to unpack that a little bit. Um, so, one movie that I want to talk about that I believe you also do not like. Oh, okay. And this does, and this fits into the cop interrogation thing. Okay, is Frailty. Oh, I, I no, I liked that movie a lot up until the end. Yeah, when um, the framing device, quote unquote, pays off. Yeah, pays off slash uh stupefies everything yeah it 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 gives us an answer it gives me an answer i didn't want yeah yeah that's true the the movie that i thought i was seeing 
doesn't have an answer to that question. Yeah. It's supposed to be left up to you. Yeah. And then the framing device gives you an answer. And I felt, uh, I felt like it, in terms of quality, it cut the movie in half at least. Um, yeah. Uh, and that's, have we, uh, we've talked about, about this before. I don't know if we've ever done an episode about, um, uh, instances where the, at the end of a movie changes the whole movie for you. Sure. Um, cause you know, I don't like matchstick men for that reason right. too. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not entirely incorrect to say that I don't like frailty. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it fondly because of the way it ends. Yeah, yeah. But I know for most of the runtime, I do think it's a good yeah. movie. And in those, and in that regard, you definitely think of TV differently because TV is meant to be seen episodic, and you you are frustrated when people say, like about Lost, for example, that they yeah. don't like the ending, and thus they view the whole TV show as a waste of time. Yeah, I, it's very. I mean, you can say that about an episode of a TV show, sure. But I don't think yeah, that there are a lot of ways in which movies and TV are similar, mm. but there are also a whole lot of ways in which they're different. Yeah, and so you can't apply the same rules. Okay. Just making sure that uh, I just want to cut through the haze in case anybody uh, said like, hey, wait a second. David says this thing about uh, TV all the time. Yeah, it's a different animal. Um, so uh, and, you know, as we were talking, I, I thought of another example. Oh, that's right. Well, did you have anything more to say about frailty? Did you just want me to talk? I, 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 just, like I, just, I just wanted you to throw that out there um, okay. that. A lot of the problem is that, you know, as these. As these. Uh, framing devices, uh, they might simplify, they might uh, add context, they might pay off something. But in doing so, you know, this is part of my issue with the Life of Pi one is that they, they underline or reframe what we've just seen to such an extent that now it's just like, okay, well, now I can walk out without any sense of mystery except with life of pi there still is the sense of mystery with frailty there is absolutely not yeah it is very definitive um but uh what i want to say you mentioned match matchstick men and i was trying to think of okay so there's a movie called confidence which i never saw it's not that good um but there is an element uh it's the way the narration works and the way the framing device works, it is very much trying to kind of harken back to film noir. Um, and it's a James Foley film. So it looks beautiful. It's use of color is great. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one where, and I'm trying to think of like, are there certain genres that employ framing devices more? And I do feel like crime. Yeah. Um, and then even within that stuff like heist movies, yeah, and maybe or maybe movies. con artist movies. Yeah. Um, but if you're watching a movie called Confidence about yeah. con men and it has a framing device, I'm going to guess that framing device ends up having a twist in it. And of you, course, you can't be surprised by that, right? No, not at all. If you've seen more than two movies in the past, you <laughs> of any genre, put, yeah, you probably could put together. Uh, this isn't probably all. It's if best. you've only seen Frankenstein and Airplane, and you see Confidence, like I think something's going on yeah. here. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. Speaking of which, here's a fun, weird framing device. I just happened to throw Frankenstein out there. Bride of Frankenstein. Where I, I, I still haven't seen it. Oh, uh, you'd love it. I know that's what I um, I'm told. So it starts with. Mary Shelley, played by, I believe, Elsa Lanchester, who would play the Bride of Frankenstein, um, talking with Lord Byron 
about uh, this story that she's written. And it's, oh, no, but there's a there, – she's already written Frankenstein, but she has more to the story. So it's like – it's a dark and, and rainy night where – and all these authors have gotten together to tell stories. And so Mary Shelley is now telling more of her story of Frankenstein, and then we go into Bride of Frankenstein. And then does it come back to that? I believe it does, yes. But I'm not – but you know what? Now I don't remember. Um, speaking of Frankenstein, an example of what you're talking about where it's more flashback than framing device would be Gods and Monsters. Sure. That is – we're not. That's not a framing device yeah. because it's more about the later. I was going to say present day. None of yeah. it's present day. It's about the 1950s story more than it's about the 1930s. Story. Yes, I would agree. Um, let me ask you this, uh, and I, th- I think I already know the answer to this, but I was thinking in terms of heist movies and crime movies and stuff. So Reservoir Dogs, there's there's enough. There are enough plot and character developments in that warehouse that that is the main story, and everything else is a flashback, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I'm just. So. I, I that's what I was thinking, but I just wanted to make sure that that I was thinking about that correctly. I haven't seen Reservoir Dogs in probably ten years. It's been a long time for me too. Now don't get me wrong. I would see it probably once a year, up to that point. Yeah. But yeah. So. Um, I think I remember when you when we lived together. So mm-hmm. maybe it's been more than ten years for me because I think it was when we lived together and you got the Mr. Pink DVD over that's there. That's right. Um, I think that might have been the last time I watched it. Yeah, that 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 had a lot of good special features on it. Yeah, um, um, I love the interview with the actual like um, career criminal in jail talking about how these guys are all full of shit. And oh yeah, are terrible, yeah. like terrible criminals. Uh, I love that. <laughs> um, should we get to the 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 star? I have a runner up. Okay, and what run- if your runner up is actually mine? Oh boy. It can't. That's it's not possible. Okay, that's not possible. Say what your runner up is. The runner up is the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Oh, can't be po- not possible. Not possible. Um, but that's one that I that like. That's that's one. Of, it's one of the earliest examples I can think of of a twist. Mm-hmm. Um, not unlike Usual Suspects, that completely reframes everything we've seen. You've seen Caligari, right? No, I haven't. That's really, why it's not possible. Yeah. Oh boy. It's weird that I don't want to spoil this movie yeah, that is 100 almost a hundred years old. Um, you know what I was, I was just reading recently about? Um, it's sort of like this is sort of like that idea that we have an we have an idea in our in our heads of how dinosaurs looked. Yeah, yeah. But they might have all had feathers. Yeah. You know, we think of old silent movies as black and white. Yeah. But a lot of them, most of them at that time, were like tinted or toned or hand colored yeah. and like they were intended to be seen with colored frames yeah. and stuff that so the way we're experiencing these, as these black and white movies is not the intention yeah which, which is really interesting yeah and and i wonder if it's just people look back and if they see the the tint and the, the hand dipped thing i remember that's a phrase i always thought was fascinating was hand dipped and she's like as opposed mach- to machine's fine yeah you know it's as long as it's dipped, that's all I care about. <laughs> yeah. As long as this thing is uh, purple at night and yellow during the day, I'm yeah. good. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so Cabinet of Dr. Caligari winds up being this this really – the framing device is this guy uh, telling a story to somebody else. Um, and, you know, then we see this – dark German expressionist story that is very macabre and very strange and odd. Uh, and then by the end 
the framing device, you know, there, so there's narration, you know, in silent film, but there's, mm-hmm. there's narration and then it comes out and it is revealed that this whole thing, that the framing device has taken place in a mental institution and that the guy telling the story is in fact crazy and that his doctor is the guy is the actor playing Caligari. And so not only does it reframe everything we've just seen as the rantings of a mental patient so that that covers the story, but it also covers the visualizing of the story. This is how the world looks to a mental patient, you know, right. to this particular mental patient. And it's a really it's a really wonderful it's a really wonderful framing device. It's a really wonderful twist. One that I always really responded to, uh, partially because in that same way, you know, we have this idea, like you were talking about, we look back on silent film and, and even earlier film. And I stupidly, and probably in a very elitist way, uh, think that like, well, you're only going to get so much complexity, you know, it was a simpler time back then, Uh but just like this idea of, you know, that we thought was so amazing in the usual suspects. And it is amazing in the usual suspects. Like it was done in this, you know, German silent film and probably even before that, Yeah. you know? And so like, it is not a, it's, we're, we're not as evolved as we, as we think we are, at least we haven't evolved so much past, uh, you know, early sort early filmmakers, as far as storytelling technique and that sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, so that, for me, that is a a, a runner-up. Okay. So with I, number one being obviously Billy Wilder, Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> That's not what I was going to say. Oh no! <laughs> that is a great one. That's. Hang on a minute. Let me look at my list and see if there's something I missed. <laughs> yeah, you you missed uh, uh, a great, but yeah, no, Sunset Boulevard is a great one. I can't believe I didn't think to to. You didn't write it down. think of Sunset Boulevard. No. And you clearly didn't think of uh, mine. Which is? The Princess Bride. Damn it! <laughs> what is wrong with us? Yeah, we both... Well, I'm glad we both covered... Uh, yeah. We covered both the films. That's great. Yeah, no, The Sunset, Sunset Boulevard's amazing because yeah. it's... Um, it's not like... It's not like American Beauty where it's revealed that it's narration by a dead guy. Right. right? No, it's... It's just there. It's yeah, from the beginning. Yeah, he's there in the pool. Yeah. And we need and so there's an element of crime. Yeah. Which is something wrong has happened, you know, someone has been hurt and now we need to go back and see what happened. And so there's definitely a uh, narration plays a big part of it. Yeah. But then we still come back to it at the end and we are and now we're revealed you know, like maybe the mo- one, one of the most famous shots in all of film. And one of the most famous line, certainly the most famous line of the film, yeah, is is happens within the framing device, yeah. you know. And so, the framing device comes along, and we do see. First off, it certainly it certainly sets the tone, uh-huh. uh, but then also we see that Norma Desmond is gone now. Like she, whatever, she, however here she was, which uh-huh. is not much. She's gone now. Like it is, it's all over for her. And there's a, it's, it is a very, very downbeat ending. That's, but what choice, what else, what other kind of ending could it have been? It, we've already, it's already been established. We're being told a story by a dead man. And a guy who's also being sort of like cavalier about it. Yeah. His, what does he say about himself? Oh like, gosh, I don't. He calls himself like a schmuck or something like that. <laughs> something, yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's sort of like what you were saying about us 
you know, um, fallaciously looking at the past as being a simpler time. Yeah. Um, and I talked about this before um, on this podcast with another Billy Wilder movie, uh, The Apartment. Um, we we don't tend to think of people from the past as cynical. But yeah. Billy Wilder's movies are incredibly cynical. And yeah. uh, especially when something like gains this sort of sheen of being a classic, you know, you think, yeah. well, everyone agrees Sunset Boulevard's a classic. It can't be that dark, right? <laughs> but it it is a, a heavy, yeah. dark movie in that in that the narration, the framing device um, uh, sets that tone right from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, Billy Wilder, like, is is like the author of cynicism as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Double Indemnity. Right. Ace in the Hole. Did you ever see Ace no, in the Hole? Every time it comes up, I... Yeah, boy, oh, boy. That yeah. is tough stuff. Um, and then, and yeah, yeah the Sunset Boulevard. And Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, let's real quick uh, mention The yeah. Princess Bride, which is a brilliant framing device because it's of a different genre than the movie itself. Yeah. And therefore, it gives you uh, an, an entirely unique window through which to watch the move the the story that you're yeah that you're telling you know you um you can have um that's why you can have so many so much anachronistic performances and humor in this i mean i guess i say anachronistic it's in a fantasy realm you don't know what year it takes place but yeah. it's supposed to be like middle ages right um but people the the sense of humor and the way of talking is you've got like you know uh billy uh billy crystal doing his like borscht belt thing yeah, <laughs> like yeah it it doesn't fit if you were just watching a movie it would be and not saying you couldn't pull it off we've talked about a knight's tale before which mm-hmm. pulls off anachronisms without a, fr- a framing device but um the fact that everything is coming through this that, that this is a movie called the princess bride which is a fantasy story yeah set in a an alternate universe middle ages and yet it starts with a uh video baseball game the first shot yeah. you see yeah. is a, a baseball video game being mm-hmm. played um it's uh it's so it so plays on your expectations that it gives you a whole new way to watch the movie and it lets it be the movie that it needs to be which is different from any other fantasy movie um because it has this uh the this framing device which doesn't have that much of a story mm. the framing device right i mean this yeah no not really we talk but about how every framing, de- framing device has its own story and this one sort of has one has one and it's about um it doesn't have a story but it has a relationship that's so meaningful but then that sort of that relationship does grow because yeah. uh little kevin arnold at the beginning is being yeah. all like grumpy and like it's like i said it starts with the video game he's being like the modern kid you yeah. know um now at what point does does he start playing like the the adventure game where with, with like a wizard and shit like and he has to is that am i thinking of the right movie no where he has to type in like uh i will sh- hit the wizard with the rock or something it's not that but isn't it that i have no idea damn it i might be thinking of a different movie is that the never-ending story? Maybe I'm thinking never-ending story. Which, I don't know. I know, which I know also has a framing device, but I honestly I haven't seen the never-ending story since I was in maybe first grade. Like I don't remember. Oh shoot! I remember almost nothing about that movie. I, I I remember I remember that being a sequence in one of those movies, yeah. and because those are the kinds of games that I played on computer when I was a kid. Those adventure games. Well, it sounds like you haven't seen The Princess Bride in a long time. It has been a while. And um, that is a movie that I tend to revisit every couple of years um, because it is, uh, in my opinion, a perfect movie. 
and uh, that's why it earns the top spot on my list of uh, greatest framing devices ever. Yeah, it's because the tone of the grandpa feeds into if it, if they just made a movie called The Princess Bride, if it had no framing device, we would wonder, wait, why? It, why why are people talking like this? Why does why do the stakes seem shockingly low? <laughs> right, um, <yeah. laughs> but because it's just this lovable old curmudgeon who he is reading out of a book, yeah. but it's still him reading it. And so it will just see, still seem very yeah. lovable and, and, and even, silly and stuff like that. It even does bits where like you see Princess uh, Buttercup about to be eaten by an eel and then he stops and says, she doesn't get eaten here. She, mm-hmm. she gets rescued. And then it goes back because he loses his place and rereads the part with the eel. Mm-hmm. And so when Wallace Shawn is talking now, it's Wallace Shawn moving his mouth, but yeah. it's Peter, ba- Peter Falk's voice until it catches up to where it left off. Yeah. Um, that's so clever and fun. It's and like drunk funny. history. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, Big, by the way, I think is the movie I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. Where he's playing that video game. That one I haven't seen in also a long time. Yeah. I think that's the movie. Damn it, this yeah. is going to bother me all night long. Is it anyway. a good movie? I think Speaking so. Speaking of which, um, R.I.P. Robert Loggia. Yeah, that's true. That yeah. does bum me out. Yeah, when I mean, I th- he had a a long life. Yeah, he yeah. was an older older man um, and was in a lot of great movies like Big and Lost Highway, which is the one that I always think that's, of first. I think of him lecturing people about five fucking car lengths. Yeah. That's what I think of when I think of Robert Loggia. Yeah, I want to say it's six. It's but, yeah. uh, Okay. Uh Whatever it might be, it's yeah. t- it's a car length for every ten miles an hour. Yeah, um, yeah, and of course, uh, because now, did you have the soundtrack album? Uh, I did not, because it has, um, you know, Trent Reznor produced the soundtrack and mm-hmm. then produced the soundtrack album, much like he did with the Natural Born Killers one, to kind of be a whole piece where that everything right. sort of bleeds into each other, and so there are bits of dialogue, and so the part where Robert Loggia says. Uh, here's where mechanical excellence and 1,400 horsepower pays off. <laughs> it's uh, the intro to one of the songs. So I've, I must have heard that uh, a, a thousand times. Yeah, uh, it's. I'm trying to think. It's it's weird. He's one of those actors that just shows up. Like he was in Independence Day and yeah. stuff like that. And he also um, had a and fantastic four-episode arc on The Sopranos. On The Sopranos, absolutely. Feach. Feach, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I like – when I think of him in The Sopranos, I think of him as the one guy not laughing, like, and <laughs> that's, that's right. why. He, and that's why he goes back to jail yeah, or whatever right. it is. Um, yeah, just a guy who's just like he spent time in prison. He does not have the energy or the patience to laugh at jokes that aren't funny, right. and that's enough to get. But him it's out also of there. about part of it is about he he represents an older version sure. of the mob, and he doesn't like what he's seen. So he's not yeah. respecting the hierarchy because to him things have changed too much. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that all comes across in just the shot of him not laughing. Yeah. Uh, he was a great actor. He was. Yeah, absolutely. And he danced on that big keyboard and in, in big. So yeah. That's the other thing. Like I think of him as this stern guy, but he's literally willing to do whatever yeah. the part requires. Yeah. 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 RIP so, Robert Loggia. Yeah. That's I'm fine with. It's a weird that's, way to end the movie, but it's end the episode, but that's fine. Yeah, let's uh let's end it there. Uh you can find us at battleshipretention.com. You can email us at david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at Davy Pretension. You can follow Tyler at Tyler Pretension. Um what's going on? You have another podcast, it's called More Than One Lesson. What's going on over there? We well, also have worth playing for. That's right. And oddly enough, <laughs> 
uh, I had a guest on more than one lesson who was on Survivor last last year or last season. Wow. You'd think I would have him on worth playing for. But that's not what happened. Um, partially Are you because guys set up for guests yet? No, we we had Reed on because he was okay. you know uh, right. he was staying with us and he was on season twenty nine. But do you ever um, in uh, Burn After Reading when he says, uh, "I'm not set up to mold hard hard rubber"? <laughs> it's one of my favorite lines in the movie. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I I gotta say I don't remember the line. Well, he's you know George Clooney's building that sex machine in the basement. <laughs> That's and right. everything he built himself except for the dildo which he had to purchase That's because and he's like trying to give an explanation as to why he couldn't make it and he's like I'm not set up to mold hard rubber. <laughs> uh, I forgot all about that sex machine. Yeah. Uh, and along those lines I should talk about my Christian podcast more than one lesson. Um, but yeah, uh, basically so I have this guy named uh, his name is Tyler Fredrickson. Uh, he was on season 30. And he is a fairly outspoken Christian. And frankly, I was excited to have the conversation in a game that has alienated you uh-huh. due to its assumption of deceit, manipulation, and lying. Yeah. Uh, probably every two or three seasons, you will find somebody on the show who is a Christian and either and has like major, major problems with having to do this, but they do it anyway. Uh, yeah. Or they don't and they don't do well. And so like how I wanted to talk to him about like how, how you square these two things. Um, and, uh, and then he's also a big uh, movie lover and stuff like that. So, uh, so it was, it was a lot of fun talking to him. That episode is available at more than one lesson.com. All right. Uh, my other podcast is about television. Um, it's called, Hey, watch this with Paul and David. Uh, if you want to know what we're talking about this week, follow Paul on Twitter. Cause I don't know. I'm not going to be there. He's got a guest host, um, Daniel Radford, and they are talking about whatever they want because I will be uh, in Big Bear playing in the snow oh. with uh, my wife and my dog. That's that's marvelous. Yeah. Good for you. I love Big Bear. It's gonna be, I haven't been. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, nice. Uh, All right. Well, this was a lot of fun. Uh, and listeners, undoubtedly, we have missed major, major, uh, like, yes. I, I didn't even think, I did not think of Princess Bride. He didn't think of Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. And you clearly just thought of another one. No, when I thought of is i forgot to say attaboy to our listener who um got uh our last week we said the quote um wonderful what we can do nowadays that's right which yes is from monty python's meaning of life and uh somebody got it i'm gonna find it but now i'm wishing that i had said i'm not set up to mold hard rubber yeah and hadn't said what it was uh from um. uh richard sales got it so attaboy richard it's from Mighty Python's meaning of life. I don't yeah. have. We don't have one this week because we didn't think to do it. Yeah, let's try to remember to do that episode to episode. That like, if it, it really doesn't take much for somebody to just quote a line of dialogue. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's rather than immediately say what it's from, let's just remind each other to just leave it. Yeah. Uh, and let the listeners guess, and we will give them no prizes. We will give them an attaboy. Yeah. But not a no prize. That's uh, you have to write in a Marvel for that, right? A what? <laughs> a no prize. The hell is that? Uh, you know what? This only came up on Hey, watch this. Okay. It's like an old Marvel thing where you you get a no prize if you like. Yeah, I think you had to like point out a continuity error and then suggest a retcon for it. Oh, okay. And write into the editor. That's and, fun. And if you got a good one, if they liked it, then you'd get a no prize. Is it? But that's not not like a real thing, right? I don't. I don't know. It's just you get a no prize. Sorry that. Yeah. That's nothing. Yeah, getting. I guess getting mentioned is. 
No prize. All right. Oh, all right. Yes. All right. Uh, I, I was excited and then exhausted shortly thereafter. But that's not what you get from us. From us, you get uh, attaboys. Even if you are not a boy, we're going to give you an attaboy. Oh, man. That feels somehow wrong. No, I think know. it's right. It's equal opportunity attaboys. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Fair enough. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 